Here we go. We're in the book of Psalms this morning. Uh, Psalm 33, uh, 1 to 11. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-string harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. series uh, which is called uh, Sing a New Song. It's looking at the Psalms. The Psalms are one of those fantastic books but often perhaps a little bit hard to penetrate or get our head around and uh, we're going to spend some time today uh, over the next few weeks getting into the Psalms and kind of focusing on this idea of the songs of the people of God that are sung to God and to each other. This, there's something that has been with God's people for literally thousands of years, singing songs to the Lord and all the ways in which we do that. I'm going to pray and then we can uh, jump into it a little bit more. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to gather together to read it to learn from it, to understand it, to know it. Uh, and Lord, in the Psalms, we are singing the songs of your people that have been sung for thousands of years. And Lord, we just pray that as we go into this passage a little bit more and we dig into it and we um, try and understand you through it, Lord, you might open our hearts and our minds to its message and its meaning. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity that we get to come before your word humbly now. Lord, pray that you might help me to speak truthfully and clearly of your word. And Lord, we just pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. 
Uh, let me start by talking a little bit about the book of Psalms. If my clicker's going to work, let's see, let's see. And no. Thanks, Tom. Um, the book of Psalms uh, is written, it kind of comes out of the exile. So for those who know their, um, uh, their, their, their history of Israel, the Babylonians come along and Kapalkas Blatt, all of the uh, Israelites, and they knock down the city walls in Jerusalem and they make a mess of the temple and they take a bunch of people off into exile. And this, of course, is this hugely traumatic experience for the nation of Israel, a point with which they almost may not have recovered. Right? It was, it's, those other, other nations had suffered the same fate and are not around today. But Israel survived. And the Psalms comes out of this experience. Now, I hear all of, the, all of you clever minds and smart cookies in the room thinking, but doesn't David write most of the Psalms? And he's like, you know, about a thousand odd years or, or so before all the exile, or 500 years before the exile. True. But of course, what they do with the exile is they collect all of these songs, these poems, these writings together for this express purpose of trying to be God's people in exile as they're dispersed, as they're cut off from the temple. They crafted and carefully put together and placed all of these psalms together uh, in a specific and intentional order um, so that the reader, as they read through it, might hear this story of God and of God's people uh, and from it be drawn into his presence. Um, uh, next one, thanks, Tom. The temple, this was the place where kind of, if you're a Jew, this is the place where it happened. This was the place where everything happened. This was the place where God was. This was the place where you would go and you would sacrifice, and when you sacrificed, you would be right with God. It was really central to their faith. They would do a number of journeys every year. Wherever they were from, they would trek down to Jerusalem, which is why at the festival times, Jerusalem is like a madhouse with people everywhere, right? So how do you be a Jew now that you're cut off from the temple? How do you practice your faith now that the temple lies in ruin or you're in Babylon? How do you do it? Like, you remember when COVID first hit and we were kind of, I remember, hit with that realisation, we're not going to be able to meet for church for, like, six months. Like, that was really hard for me. That thought, we, we literally will not be able to gather together for six months. But, of course, you know, Christianity isn't as tied to its gatherings as Judaism was to the temple, if you know what I mean. For them to be cut off from the temple was this massive, huge, traumatic experience. Um, so um, next one, thanks, Tom. The Psalms are put together to be almost like a virtual temple that wherever they are, they might be able to read through the prayers and the stories of God's people and be drawn into the presence of God as if they were there physically in the temple. This was their intent. As God's people read the, the Psalms and you read through them, um, you know, 1 to 150, there's plenty of them there, you're invited into prayer and praise. You're invited into worship. You're invited into lament. Um, you are called into moving through the great truths of who God is. And the intent is that as you, uh, you sing and you recount the truths of who God is, that you might not just understand them in your head, but that they might move from your head to your heart and you might believe them deep in your soul and that might change and shape who you are. Right. David writes a lot, nearly half of the Psalms. 
Um, at this point, when they're put together, uh, he is um, well and truly passed away, many generations gone. Um, but they sing the songs and prayers of those who have gone before them so that they might model their prayer life off the people who have prayed, prayed and worshipped God before. You know what I mean? Like, like David is like this model that they use to shape their own prayer life. And as we read the Psalms, part of what we're encouraged to do is to shape our prayer life, our walk with God, off the prayers and the songs of those who have gone before us. The book of Psalms is the songs for people in exile, for God's people living in this world, longing for his kingdom. And in them, we are meant to learn how to sing a song for ourselves, not just the songs of those that have gone before us, but what we do is we learn to sing for ourselves a new song, a song that is from us, a song that is about what God is doing in our lives today. And we start with Psalm 33, uh, a great psalm, I think, to open our series. This psalm is this examination of the character of God and it's this calling for people to respond in prayer and praise and worship. Just to make things nice and simple, I'm going to um, deal with our psalm back to front. I'm going to kind of start at the end and work my way back to the start. Um, hopefully that will help us make a bit of sense of what the psalmist is trying to invite us into. Uh, thanks. Next one, Tom. Verses 10 and 11. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stands firm forever, the purposes of his heart throughout all generations. There are some truths in life we need to remind ourselves and keep reminding of ourselves over and over. God is mighty and awesome in power. Um, awesome not in that sense which we use it today perhaps, like, oh, that was awesome, but awesome in the sense that those who come into his presence are filled with awe, are filled with this sense of his wonder and his might. The plans of this world, as the psalmist says, are but a mist, that are blown on the wind this way and that. They are here one moment, they are gone the next. But the plans of the Lord are a rock that stand firm and will not shift and will not change forever or throughout any generation. Uh, verse 6 down to verses 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the seas into jars. He puts their deep into his storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Uh, next one, Tom. The thing about having little kids is you end up reading lots of books about bugs or books about sea creatures or books about reptiles. Every time Wes comes back from the library, we're like, oh, his, 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 um, his library bag looks really heavy. Oh, it's filled with books about bugs and science and whatever again. Oh, here we go. Um, but uh, next one, one of the things you get to do is read a lot about space books too. Uh, and I, I tell you what, there's, there's the child in me that is still just, um, my mind is always blown by thinking about the vastness of space around us, you know. And when you read all these books all the time, it makes you think about it. Like you, you stand out, you see the moon, and you're like, isn't that amazing that we're standing on this little rock here and we can see all the way through however many millions of miles to this other rock that's over there and we can 
make details on it, and it's just, it, it blows your mind. Um, one of the things which I, I just constantly struggle to get my head around is when you do the videos which are about the comparisons. Next one, Tom. You know when it starts like it's the moon and then it zooms out and then it's like Earth and then it zooms out and then it's like Jupiter and Earth was just like this little marble. And then it zooms out and it's like the sun compared to Jupiter and Jupiter is like this little marble. And there's these ones which, which um, uh, put all of the, the stars next to each other, you know. It's our sun, you know, it zooms out to like a, 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 a giant sun and our sun is like a speck and then it zooms out to a mega giant sun and our... And that sun is like a speck, and it just goes out and out and out and out and out, infinitely. And you just left realizing, wow, we really are small in terms of what God has made. We are a tiny, tiny part of what God has made. And when you put the creation of the world that God has brought into his being just by the power of his words, and you realize your part in it, Maybe it makes you put things into a healthy perspective, you know? Put things into a healthy... Perhaps the, the troubles of my life aren't actually so great or perhaps they aren't actually so important compared to all that God has made with the work of his hands. Um, next one. The psalmists know this. I, that's what, what fascinates me is that the psalmists, how many thousands of years ago, they did the same thing that I do today. They looked up and they saw the moon and the stars in the sky and they were like, Wow. God is something else. He formed these with, with the power of his words. He brought them into being. He commanded them and they were and they stood firm. I think that's a beautiful phrase. Just with the power of his will. He brought all of this into being. Who am I compared to all of this? You know, um, Psalm 8 is one of those great ones for that. And the, and the psalmist has these beautiful reflections. Go have a read of it later if you'd like to look into that a bit more. But the, psalm, the Psalms regularly call us to recognise um, a healthy perspective between us and the creation that God has made. The psalmist says, you know, God scoops up the oceans into a jar as though he could scoop up the ocean into a jar and just put it on his shelf with all of his other trinkets. I don't know, solar systems or galaxies, whatever else he's got on his shelf, you know, like, you know, like the depths, are they are nothing to him. Like there is, there is the things for us that seem vast beyond imagination to God are these small trinkets. So great is the Lord, and so small are we in comparison. Um, next one, thanks, Tom. Verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. This God which we recognize as so powerful, this God which we recognize as vastly beyond our comprehension, our ability to actually um, comprehend his scale and his power, thankfully, is good. He is right. He is true. He is loving. We, we should be thankful and perhaps we should recognise that we're kind of lucky, right? That this God is good God. In the ancient days, the gods were not always good. You know, the gods of whatever, the, the, the Greeks and the Romans and the Mesopotamians, whatever, they were often not good gods, actually. In fact, sometimes they were kind of cranky gods that would um, send destruction upon the people because they were, whatever, bored. You know, like, the tales of the gods in the ancient times were gods are to be feared and not in a healthy way. Gods are to be feared because they might just decide one day to 
flood you or kill you or send fire or plague or famine or whatever it is. But the psalmist recognises, wow, this God that brings all of the universe into being is a God of unfailing love. We need to recognise that fact. We need to hold that truth close to us and recognise our luck and our um, be, be just be filled with gratitude because of it. Uh, next one. Then let me jump back to the start. So we've been working backwards. Here we go. Here we are at the start. Um, this is what the call of the psalmist is to all those who read these truths. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. What do we do in response to these great truths that the psalmist is singing, these reminders that he's given us, the perspective that he puts us in? Well, the psalmist says that we should sing a new song along with him. Thank you, Tom. We should sing songs along with this psalmist as he is going to joyfully praise the Lord, sing of his great and eternal truths and the luck that we have to be the people of a God such as him. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Because the praises of God's people reflect back out into the world who God is, right? It's a form of God revealing himself, the songs and the praises of God's people. As they sing them back out into the world, all those that hear, they uh, are revealed the truth of who God is. But not just for the outside, but it's also for those who are already God's people, that as they sing the praises of, uh, of who God is, um, it moves from a knowledge in our head into a knowledge in our heart, a knowledge deep in the core of who we are. It is fitting and right for God's people to respond to God in this form. Um, next one, thanks, Tom. It is right for us to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him. And when I was young, I was, I was like, why do we sing in church? <laughs> Might have been a reflection on the music, but I was like, why do we sing in church? Like, you don't, you know, this thing we just kind of have to do. You know, I asked my mum when I was younger, why do, why, does, why do we have to have a sermon? Ugh, I have to hear this old guy talk for ages. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? When you're, when, you're, when you're like 10. The psalmist, he gives us an answer. Why do we sing? Because it's fitting. Because it's right. It makes sense for the people of God who recognise and understand who he is to sing songs of praise. It just makes sense doesn't it someone does something amazing it makes sense to applaud it makes sense to cheer it's just right it is right for god's people to come and sing in praise to the lord um next one uh this is the verse i want to focus a little bit of our time on this morning sing to him a new song play skillfully and shout for joy as a muse, I read that bit and went, oh, play skillfully. I'll do my best. Singing a new song is a phrase that comes up a number of times in the psalm, six different times. The psalmist tells us to sing a new song. What's he saying? Well, he's saying don't just sing the old songs. Don't just keep repeating the, the old ways. As in, don't just keep repeating 
the songs of the people who came before you who sing about the praises of God. It is right and it is good to sing those songs, but also sing a new song. Sing something that is new. What's he talking about? Well, some of the commentators say that we sing a new song because it reflects the new creation that God is making back out to the world. Um, God is not just a God of the past. Um, He is a God who is alive and who is active today. He is doing a new thing. He continues to work today. And his people should reflect this new work, this new thing that God is continuing to do in new songs. We sing again of the new works that he continues to do, not just of something he once did a long time ago, but of what he is doing here today. Christianity, it's not just a cult of the past. It's a reflection of a God who is living and is active today. Jesus isn't dead. He rose. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he'll come again in glory. The Spirit is not dormant. It was poured out onto the world so that the young will see visions and the old will dream dreams. God is active in this world today. And what is it right for God's people to do in response to this living and active God? To sing a new song, a new song of what God is doing today. Uh, Next one, thanks. More than just music, more than just music it's talking about. We can sing a new song to God in all sorts of different ways in our life. We can share with others the goodness of God in your life. Whenever you do that in whatever way, shape or form it takes, that's like singing a new song. You know, it's not just music. That's one form of it. It's, it's, I think it's deeper than that, a bit broader than that. We're all called to sing about the good thing God has done for us in our lives. Uh, a few months ago now, we did that series, um, Encounters. Remember, we got a bunch of videos from you guys, your stories. That was singing a song. That was singing a new song of what God has done. And wasn't it great? Wasn't it great? hearing all those stories, hearing people sing their song of what God has done in their life. Man, it encouraged me. It made me sit back and go, yeah, you know what? God is good, isn't he? Isn't God good? Isn't he still moving in the hearts of people, the young and the old and everywhere in between? We don't just gather together to talk about what God once did. We gather together to talk about what God is still doing here and now. I feel like the moment we stop singing a new song is the moment our faith starts to recede and becomes a faith of what God once did. But our faith isn't a thing about what God once did. It's a faith of what God is doing and continues to do. At um, Soul Conference, there was um, a leader who was uh, like an older guy. You know, he's kind of like retirement age. Um, So he kind of stood out in the crowd you know, I stand out in the crowd, but he stood out in the crowd even more than I did. Um, at one stage, uh, I went over and had a chat to him, and uh, he was just talking about um, his life, and he was, you know, he was sharing that, like, um, you know, he's kind of going through a bunch of life changes, you know, like, he, he had this business for a long time, you know, that was, his, that was his life, that was all that he did, it took up all of his time and his energy and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, COVID kind of really knocked it on the head, and he had to sell it, and he's gone through this whole life change, um, part of his life change was like, oh, I need to reconnect with my church community, and he did. And they said one day, oh, we really need people to do youth. And he said, well, um, I've got no experience. I've never done it before, and I'm too old. I guess I'll do it. 
And there he is, this old fella um, coming with the teenagers, you know. It's always good to have at least one old fella at the hangout with the that's, that's at least my, you know, I, I can try and convince myself that at least. But, um, and when he was talking about, he was just like, he was just singing this song about this new thing God was doing. And it, I heard him repeating this story like 10 times, right? Because he's seeing this new, he's like, wow, I've been doing this thing and I just never thought it would ever be me. And geez, I've been blessed in trying to, you know, help these young people know God. And everywhere he went, he was singing this new song about what God was doing. And I was like, good on you, old fella. You know, good on you. Like, you, you're not going to be like running on the football field and doing all that kind of stuff with them. But you know what? We're blessed to have you with us. This is what the psalmist is talking about, that God is still doing new things in our lives. We need to sing those songs to those around us. We need to sing the songs of the good things that God does and continues to do. Ben, if you guys want to come up. Uh, No matter where you are in your journey of faith, God is still doing a new thing. Whether you're at the beginning of your journey, whether you're much further down the track, God is still doing a new thing. Um, and here's, the, here's the, the, the encouragement for us from this psalm. Um, what is your song? What is your song to sing? What is the way that you can sing about the goodness of the Lord and what he's doing in your life? Simon, could I ask you to pray for us? And then we'll sing our last song together.